Barum is relationships. Barum is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter、mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Oh hi, listeners. We're here to talk about minute fifty-one of the room, in which Johnny's vampiric invisibility leads into his James Bond skill set. Oh hi, guys. Oh hi, Brad. Oh, hi. So, do you have recording devices to set up on your phone at any given moment? No.、Uh, no. no. I don't have a landline, so <laughs> I don't know how I'd do this. Because everything was really handy immediately for Johnny, and I was like, "Is this something that I should have in my house for just such a moment?" You see, you're making me think about the original script again, Ugh. because it opens the scene with him already doing something to the phone, which is odd. And then they walk in and do stuff, and so that's why he's got a tape in his pocket. Is he was already messing with the phone for some reason? This, it's bizarre. This is definitely a minute that so badly needed editing and cuts and stuff because it was it's ah、uh, uh, it's this minute's a mess. It is a mess. See, I was going to say it was brilliant. <laughs> well, this movie needs to be a mess. So if、right. it wasn't, we well, wouldn't have anything to talk about. It's not.、But. It's not that it's great. It's that it's different from so many other scenes because it actually uses like multiple shots edited together. They may be edited poorly, but it's trying. So by their standards, it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, build some tension. We got nine seconds of Johnny walking across from the stairs to the table. Four seconds of him. Like setting the tape recorder on the table, and he moves the the tablecloth for some reason. Three seconds. Do you want to? Of- do you want to call that walking? It's more of a lumber, right? <laughs> <laughs> he walks kind of like a ghost from Scooby Doo. Now, and no emotion flickering across his face. The walk is so long. <laughs> yeah, it's building tension. Like, what's he gonna do? We don't know he's got a tape in his pocket. We don't know where he's going. He could be going into the alcohol and chair storage room to drink, and then he's going to start hitting people. No, no, but we don't want anything interesting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just five to ten seconds of him fumbling with a recorder somehow that's going to record the calls. Well, yeah, it's nine seconds of walking, four seconds of setting the tape recorder down, three seconds of messing with wires we can't see, nine seconds of him playing with wires. The phone and just re- being really awesome with the facial expression. Then three seconds where it's close on Johnny and he is acting the crap out of it. The midnight audiences love this moment. And then the minute cuts off, but we get another four seconds in this minute of him plugging one of those wires into the recorder because he knows exactly what he's doing. I don't know why he knows what he's doing because he's a banker, but maybe he has a history in espionage. I don't know. I mean, all they need is just him saying is. The lines at the beginning. I will record everything.、Yeah. Cut. Then go back to him plugging it in, and it this all works. Where he gets a nanny cam, you know, it's up somewhere. Yeah, th- this this scene could work. Now, my last note here is the important one, Brad. Though,、mm-hmm. because in parentheses I said I just finished up Mandy sucks minute, 
and that movie offers almost no meaningful insert shots. So this was wonderful <laughs> to see. Is an insert shot of the tape recorder was like, oh, they're showing what's happening. <laughs> I was so amazed. How weird is it for you? You make such a good argument why Mandy's a bad movie. <laughs> and there are people that love that movie. Oh, I know. I know. And yeah. Uh, I'm friends with the guys over at Point Break Minute. They love that film. Mm-hmm. The person who I heard about it from, who I might be going to his house later for game night. Loved it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll watch it. Uh, the first time I watched it, I turned it off after half an hour. And at that point, I'd already forgotten what was going on. Yeah. But it makes this movie look better. So, hey, good for the room. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what you should have said at the end of every episode of, uh, Mandy Socks is like, hey, and it makes uh, the room look better. Yeah. It makes so many movies look better because, just an establishing shot. This movie has establishing shots. It, it does. It, it just, this movie does things that other movies yeah, do. It that does movie it so things. much more complicated than it needs to be. And this nine seconds of walking is probably the longest that we get of nothing. There's usually talking going on in any shots that last a while or sex. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we should be thankful that it's walking and not seeing Tommy's ass. We don't get entire minutes of Tommy barely in silhouette walking down a red hallway. Sorry, this isn't Mandy Sucks Minute. I'm sorry. That show's over. <sighs> the Room Minute. So we get the, the end of Claudette and Lisa talking, of course. Lisa asks if Claudette's coming to the party. Which I'm not sure how long it still is until that. I guess it might be tomorrow? Yeah, I think they said tomorrow. Well, Claudette says mentions tomorrow, but not for that. She says, If you think I'm tired today, wait till you see me tomorrow. Oh, that was such a weird thing to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's It sounds like a threat. I, but she's talking about being tired. And all they need to do, they, they could have just made the whole thing work if in the previous line, they just said cranky, irritable, whatever, angry. Yeah, instead of cranky. Tired. And you keep everything else the same and it would work perfect. Yeah, if you think I'm cranky today, what do you see me tomorrow? That works. But if you think I'm tired today, what do you see me tomorrow? I'm like, if you're... Tomorrow I'm going to be full of narcolepsy. Right, if you're going to be more tired, I don't want to see you tomorrow. Take a nap. Stay home. <sighs> but I think we could we could in, infer that the party is tomorrow because the, the next line is Lisa saying, are you coming to the party? Yeah, it's sort of... It tracks... Plus, the whole movie I, it seems to take place in the course of less than a week, I think. Their engagement's at the end of the month, but she, when she first mentions the birthday, I think she says it's in next Friday or something like that. When is it? Next Friday at 6. Time is sort of nebulous, but I, I won't ding it too hard because, I, you know, not that long ago I saw John Wick 3 and time didn't make any damn sense in that movie either. <laughs> That thing was supposed to take, that movie was supposed to take place over a week and he flew all around the world, wandered the desert, almost start, like died of thirst, chopped off his finger, recovered, was put in a new suit and went sent back to New York to kill everybody. All in a week is like, oh, that's, that's a little quick, right? Yeah. Why not just go two weeks? But in that movie, you, you almost don't care because you're not there for like realis realism, you're there for Really, like, some of the best choreographed fight scenes ever. Oh, yeah. Listen, really, they the movie could have been a silent film and it would have worked 
20% better? <laughs> so, you know, they leave, and Tommy, of course, you know, we talked a little bit yesterday. You know, it, How can they say this about me? Which doesn't really make sense, because that, that, that's like him being angry about the wrong thing. And then him saying, I record everything. He's like, what, why do you, what, what, what more information do you need? Well, right. Who's he recording it for? He heard it. Yeah. He could confront her about it already. It, I mean, is it just him wanting to know who she's sleeping with? But you, you got to sort of draw that out because that doesn't track. He, he's not saying that. He's, He's like, I gotta record everything. He's like, uh, okay. I, I, buddy, I think you have enough to change the locks already. Yeah. By the way, in my notes, it may have been this scene where Carolyn Minot was gonna pass out, according to Greg Sestero, but it seems weird because he describes a scene where they're sitting down talking. This isn't where they're sitting down talking. So I'm not sure. But then she's definitely not gonna look good tomorrow because she's really tired. Really tired. Because there were no fans or anything. No, there was no water. Oh. Tommy didn't think it was his job to supply water to his crew. Tommy didn't know the humans needed water. <laughs> right. Because on his planet, they don't. No, exactly. no. It's definitely a... Probably from a dune-like world. <laughs> Explains the very dry skin and wrinkles. Yeah. yeah, he does look like a leather wallet, doesn't he? Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I will record everything. Doesn't make any sense. The long walk and the long time of him setting up the recording device. Uh, so not bad Foley work. Yeah, you got sounds to things. Uh, credit where it's due. It's like, yeah, okay. And sound is often terrible in this movie. So it's like, okay, well, it looks like he's actually doing what it looks like he's doing. So I'll... Yeah. Well, it might not even be Foley work. It might just be they had the camera close to things. You you could be right, and so they're so hey like they had a mic nearby <laughs> instead of up above everyone. So that sounds good. I mean, like you said, they you said at the beginning of this week, there's definitely competent people behind the scenes mm-hmm. of this movie. Yeah, and thank God because if this movie was an eyesore, they're they're being hindered by a low budget. Yeah, but they're they know what they're doing, and possibly a how do I say this. Possibly what works with the why this movie's had the success or what this movie does show, and I bet there's a lot of very good actors, I mean, good directors or good creative people who watch this and said it's like, hey, you know what? This shows with comparatively small amount of money, you can make a watchable, good-looking movie. Mm-hmm. And just imagine if I have a decent script and decent actors, decent directors behind this, I can make something really cool. Yep. This movie's probably inspired people. Maybe. Yeah. That would be a cool story to hear for someone that's inspired. I mean, same with, uh, in a different way, you know, Kevin Smith with the work he did with Clerk, especially with Clerks, because he, and Robert Rodriguez, what he did with, uh, the, the Mariachi movies, where they did it on these just impossible shoestring budgets, 
and were able to make something entertaining and watchable. Now, this is very different where those movies uh, were able to get by on interesting writing or intriguing action choreography. This is more of a success because it looks good, and you're able to get something watchable and good-looking. Well, and Robert Rodriguez knew what he was doing as a director. He planned his camera moves ahead of time so that he didn't have to film any extra footage and take any extra time. He had an idea of what happens on the set. Oh, yeah, very, obviously very different ways. And I don't think if you give, you know, they give Robert Rodriguez a lot more money now and he makes good-looking movies. I don't think if, God, what would, hell would happen if you gave Tommy Wiseau a hundred million dollars to make a film? What the hell would that look like? Oh, let's hope his shark movie explains it. I don't know what the budget for that is going to (laughs) be. I know, I was reading about that earlier today. Oh, have you seen the trailer for it? Well, the promo, the promo thing they put out yeah, a couple, yeah. few months ago, yeah. Trailer's too strong a term, but. I don't think they'd actually filmed much of anything yet. I was, I was thinking, in terms of low budget, like movies, this is 2004, right? Or 2003 when they're filming it. This is about the same time Project Greenlight was on HBO, where they're like giving a million dollar budget to a movie. And I was thinking of the movies they made, it was a stolen summer, uh, Battle of Shaker Heights and Feast. They're all competent movies. Feast is rather entertaining. It's a little horror film thing. But how many of those movies managed to get any attention versus this? And it's, it's not because it had a competent crew, which is an unfortunate thing when bad, <laughs> a weird thing to say as the host of this show. We're about to talk about another bad movie in a little bit. Is that it's it's unfortunate when bad movies get attention because they're bad. Well, yeah, and, and that's all over entertainment. I mean, we live in a world where what was it the Rebecca Black song Friday, right. <laughs> uh, you know, or um, you know, how many copy how many copies of the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, books were sold? Oh yeah, and these are objectively terrible. Mm-hmm. But either because there's a weird kitsch factor or uh, with the Fifty Shades of Grey, it's just touching upon something that isn't touched upon in a way that at the exact right moment. And there isn't – and it was hard to find like a good version of it. So yeah. it was like, okay, well, if you want to read that particular type of erotic content, you're not going to find a good version of it. So this is what you got. Right. Um, you want to find the mainstream version that everyone else knows. Right. So, it, it's sometimes crap catches on. Or sigh with the, the Gangnam Style. That was a lousy song. <laughs> per, performed by a guy with with mediocre looks, mediocre talent. I mean, yeah, basically the Korean Justin Timberlake. Oh, I despise Justin Timberlake, by the way. So I like that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> As long as you don't Um, have a problem with the Jonas Brothers, then we're cool. I'm fine with the Jonas Brothers. Okay, good. (laughs) There's no beef. There's no beef. All right. Um, No, it's it's a thing where every now and then, weirdly, something terrible catches on, and you're aware of it being terrible. Like, everybody who watches The Room knows this is an objectively bad movie, but people aren't able to find their entertainment out of it. Mm-hmm. And it, again, as we've talked about, it also helps that it's not an eyesore, it's, and so it's a little compelling, a little watchable. So it's not a slog to to watch it. Yes, I've said on the show many times. Most, so many bad movies have a second act that is just boring. Right. 
And it's like, they should have made a short film. So at least we could watch it all. And this one, it, you got Claudette coming in. You introduce Peter in a little bit. You get new characters, new situations, new interactions. Really, there could be a, a serious film. And I know it would be tongue in cheek, but you could do a serious film. It's like, okay, why does this movie work? And take those lessons. It's like, okay, now take what works here. Some interesting actors, some, um, good film, you know, good camera work, proper equipment. Okay, now let's get a good script and competent direction behind it. And also, it's funny, it's a six million dollar movie. What was it? That was the budget, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Listen, only about, they also wasted, what, half that money? Oh, yeah. They bought equipment they didn't need to buy. Yeah. Uh, and buying it instead of renting it. Right. So. Renting two cameras when they didn't need two cameras. So, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of good lessons to learn here. Again, why this is probably probably 10 years from now. Like, the people who watched this and really got into it early on, they're probably halfway to where they want to be as a directors. Hmm. In another 5, 10 years, you're going to have the first director who's going to, I don't know, be directing a Marvel movie. And it's like, by the way, what really inspired me is I used to go to the Midnight Showings, and I learned a lot from that movie and uh, things to do and things not to do. Same thing with the Sam Raimi films. Yeah. uh, uh, Have inspired people who watched the first Evil Dead. Right. And then 10, 15 years later, those people finally got into the businesses where they were making big budget films. I think in a way it also helps that the midnight screening is, is that they call out bad things. Like they yell focus when things are out of focus and stuff like that. Like simple stuff. Because, yeah, it's an example of what to, you can do on a low budget, but it also is often an example of what you should not do. We can avoid doing. And some of it is very easy to avoid with little editing changes or rewrite your dialogue. Let the actors rewrite dialogue to sound more like different people. Don't cast a villain as your lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, don't, don't have B- Steve Buscemi as your, uh, romantic leading man. You know, don't cast Andy DeVito as your action hero. Steve Buscemi was the lead in one movie. I can't think of the title of it. Where he was actually quite good. But it was playing on the fact that he's this bizarre guy that no one should really like, and so it was kind of awkward. Well, you, you, you can have Ernest Borgnine as the leading, leading man in Marty, because the whole point is he's a ugly, out of shape guy. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but you can't have, you're not going to have Ernest Borgnine uh, as the lead in cocktails. Right. I'm trying to think, there's just not a lot that happened in this minute. It's basically him saying stuff that doesn't make sense, taking long walks and setting up recording. Trees Lounge, that's the movie I'm looking for. Interestingly enough, Steve Buscemi's character is named Tommy. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it, it was actually secretly a Tommy Wiseau story the whole time. Yeah. Tommy is an unemployed mechanic who spends most of his time in a bar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the, not much goes on this minute. This whole week has been very easy on the notes from a midnight screening. Notes from a midnight screening. The only note for this minute is the audience singing the theme to Mission Impossible. <laughs>
And that continues, I believe, into the next minute because he's still dealing with the phone thing into the next minute. That's it. And But it is Friday, so we do have other things we could talk about. Uh, our, I believe Speaking of you- Rebecca Black. It's Friday, Friday. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. But bad movie of the week, you offered up, was it Ski, I don't even remember which one. The, the Ski School film series, specifically oh, the whole Ski series. School okay. 2. I've seen at least one and two. I don't know how many of these I've seen, but not since the 80s. I, I believe it's just a two. I did watch the beginning of this one earlier when you sent me the link, because it's a, what, a three minute skiing montage to start the film. It's, it's taking itself so seriously. It's a lousy B movie. <laughs> but, there's something, there's something watchable about it. And it's very much a B movie, um, where, uh, I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's a <laughs> B movie with comedy. The comedy sort of works sometimes. About two thirds of the actors are terrible. But the actors who aren't terrible and the jokes that do work, work more than you would expect them to. But it doesn't let you forget that it's a crappy B-movie comedy that's taking a lot of the worst aspects from uh, all the teen comedies from the 70s and 80s, The Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, a lot of weird nudity where it doesn't need it. Um, well, it's the 80s. Yeah. Uh, you have, but it stars Dean Cameron, who's one of these actors who you recognize if you see him, and he's got a little bit he's of He's been in our bad movies of the week already, actually, with Rockula. Oh, okay. So. Uh, yeah, he was in, uh, he was also in Summer School, yes. probably the biggest movie he did. Um, he's one of those actors you see him, you recognize him, and he's got a little bit of neat, smarmy charm to him. Not a guy who could lead a big budget movie, but this sort of thing is like, okay, he's a little Weasley guy that you sort of, you sort of like to spite yourself. Will Sasso having a role in it, and I like Will Sasso, uh, probably who was on the Mad TV uh, mm, variety yeah. show and has been in pl- plenty of TV shows and movies. Another guy, you'd um, know him if you see him. I didn't know his name, but look in his picture, yeah. And they have a comedian, Bill Dwyer, who's a, a working comedian who still does Again, he's he's a working actor who played the character Todd or Bert Kaczynski. <laughs> and my favorite scene, and I will actually put this up as a good bit to have in a movie where they're crashing a wedding re- uh, or a rehearsal dinner and he comes for his name tag. And he's like, and the woman's like, what's your name? He's like, Todd or Bert Kaczynski. She's like, what kind of name is that? And he's like, well, my dad didn't speak a lot of English. Uh, didn't speak English well, so they asked what my name was, and he said Totterbert, but he spoke really fast. He's like Totterbert, 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 <laughs> and then he then he just stops. He's like faster, that hurts. And it's like that joke doesn't make sense, but I'm laughing my butt off. <laughs> and then he follows up. He's like, and that's Kaczynski, like the cheese. And I was like, you know what? Somebody involved in that movie, and it could have been an improv line from him, or there's just one writer with talent. Yeah. Working on it. It's like, that's a good bit. Uh-huh. And then it's promptly followed up by people who, like I say, two-thirds of the cast sucks, 
it's probably followed up by a scene, follow up a scene with like a woman who's very attractive and was obviously cast in the movie to be attractive, who can barely say her words in the right order. And so it was one of those weird B movies that you watch where, okay, there's talented people who are going to continue to work that are in this movie that are raising certain sections of it above the level that it deserves to be. But then there's the rest of the movie is like, okay, but then there's going to be a pretty girl who was appeared in a issue of Playboy magazine who's mm-hmm. just there to take her top off. Yeah. Who who in three years she's gonna be married to an investment banker because that's the track that she's on. Who can't say her words right. And I, I sort of enjoy those movies where you feel like the scenes that work and the the actors and the writing that works work better than it has any right to. And you you feel like you're in on a little secret when the stuff that actually is funny. I was just really disturbed by something, because I looked these up on IMDb as you're talking. I was thinking of the Ski School movies as very mid-80s. It's 94. And the first one came out in 1990. That movie has no right being a 90s film. No. As an 80s film, it's like, yeah, it's cheesy, it's stupid, it has random nudity, because... 94, there is no excuse for that. (laughs) Oh, crap. Ah... It, yeah, and the, the director has done 15 movies, <laughs> none of which you've ever heard of. So, you know, which is good for him. This is a guy who sort of found his lane and is continuing to work as a producer and, is a, you know, he's producing a, a documentary that's going to – Snow Motion 5, The Odyssey. God only knows what that is, but it's a documentary that's going to come out in the next year or so. Hey, you know what? Good for him. Not everything can be good. Right. <laughs> or high-minded or anything. It's like, you know, sometimes it's just cool to have a, a fun movie that might have a scene, an actor or two that needs work and it's going to help them pay the bills and mm-hmm. show their stuff a little bit. I mean, that's what uh, Roger Corman used to do. Really well. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he would do crappy movies. But he would find talented people like Ron Howard directed his first movie for Corman. And uh, James Cameron and other people did – started out their careers working for him, sort of honing their craft. And, yeah, that's sort of fun. So, I, yeah, it, it's a movie that it would show up all the time on HBO late at night. And if I found out that it was going to be on, it's like, yeah, I'm going to watch this a little bit, see the bits that work, and then sort of tune out and, you know, do homework or, you know, if I was in college, do homework or read or whatever. And then, like, put down the book during the Totterbert scene or something like that. <laughs> I love that scene. I just can't believe those aren't 80s movies. <laughs> they are. They They're 80s movies. movies. They, they just came out, came out too, late. Yeah. too late. Yeah, in movies, decades don't fit the calendar. Uh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. That's the thing that blew my mind. <laughs> the Ski School 2 came out in 94. Huh. Okay. <laughs> On that note, um, what? How do we end the show? Oh yeah, Brad. <laughs> Sorry, that's yes. Know, I, I don't know why that freaked me out. It was just so because <laughs> I remember watching the movies like over and over because they were on cable. And why would I have done that in '94? There were better movies to watch on cable in '94. There's boring times in every decade. True. Uh, so Brad. 
one more time for the listeners, where can they hear more of you? I am the host and co-founder of the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, uh, a positive geek culture show where we talk about the books, movies, music, uh, comics, whatever geeky thing that you're into, we're into too. We talk about it. We talk about it because we love it. And uh, we have fantastic panelists, fantastic guests. We've had Robin Paris, the actress from The Room. We had uh, Rick Harper, who directed the documentary Room Full of Spoons that nobody gets to see because there was lawsuits and stuff. Uh, that was fantastic. Robert Black himself has been on our show, and he is awesome on it. If you love him here, you'll love him there. Our Facebook page is the Cosmic Geppetto Listeners page. Uh, come and join the fun. And, uh, guys, I really appreciate you having me on. This has been a great week. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Thank you for coming. And uh, thanks for letting me j- join it. But it's not wrong when people make it fun of the project. In this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!